0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And to begin today, I would like to pick up our Bibles and look at the third chapter of the Gospel according to John. The Lord is having a discussion with Nicodemus, a prominent ruler of the Jews. And for our purpose, I want to read verses 14 through 21 of John chapter 3, where we might see what our Lord had to say. Beginning with verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes may in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. I want to pause in our reading right there and make the comment that if we were to look simply at verses 16 through 18, we would have to say that we're looking at one of the most beautiful and profound statements in the Bible. It contains the greatest being, God. It contains the greatest motive, love. The passage contains the greatest degree, so. It contains the greatest gift, his son. It contains the greatest invitation, whoever. It contains the great reception, believes and all that that involves. It contains the greatest deliverance, shall not perish. It contains the greatest promise, have eternal life. A point that simply must be made is that if man dies in his sins, it is his own choice, because look at all that God has provided. Let's pick up reading in verses 19 through 21. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. In the discussion with Nicodemus and Jesus in John 3, a major portion of the gospel is succinctly put forward. In John 1, Jesus is described as the light and the true light. In John 8 and verse 12, we find Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Doesn't it seem incredible to you that there are those who hate the light, who hate our Lord Jesus and the good news about him, even though the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? Doesn't it seem strange and incredible to you that some even hate the very book that reveals these great truths, the Bible? But then again, I guess it really shouldn't be surprising for the Bible speaks of many who express their hatred for the word of God. Back in 2nd Chronicles 18, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah and he had allied himself by marriage with Ahab, the king of Israel. Ahab talked him into going into battle with Israel against the people in the city of Ramoth Gilead. And in verse 4, Jehoshaphat said to Ahab, please inquire first for the word of the Lord. So Ahab gathered together 400 prophets, false prophets, pagan prophets. But then look at verses 6 through 7. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good things concerning me but evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. But Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. That kind of puts it in a nutshell, don't you think? I hate him because he never says anything good about me, even though recognized Ahab that he was a prophet of the Lord. If it is true, the majority of the people don't want to hear it. The attitude that existed during the days of Jeremiah existed before his time and continues to exist after his time. In Jeremiah 5:30 30 and 31, we find an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule on their own authority and my people love it so, but what will you do at the end of it? Paul stated the reaction of so many people so simply in Galatians chapter 4 verse 16 when he asked, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Yes, the Bible contains a message that is hated by so many, and generally speaking, we can say that primarily it is hated by those who refuse to believe it or obey it. But why do people hate it so? Many who have never even opened the Bible, who have never read a single word of it, hate it. It is not politically correct to criticize or poke fun at another person's religion. But every day, comics, commentators, judges, television personalities, and others criticize and ridicule the Bible. I've heard radio talk show hosts say, don't bring up the Bible on this program. Why do so many hate the Bible so? Well, I think there are a few reasons why that we can definitely point to. Number one, the Bible shows us for what we really are. And for many, that is very uncomfortable. Back in John 3, remember what we saw in verse 19? This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Sometimes we like to fool ourselves into thinking that we're fine. Everything about our spiritual life is good, when the reality is something quite different. The Bible is meant to reveal each one of us what we really are. It is meant to shine the light of God's word upon each of our souls, that it might be revealed as it really is. The Bible acts as a mirror for the soul, that we can see ourselves as God sees us. In James chapter 1, verses 22-25, through 25, we find the following, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. There have been times in my life when I've looked in the mirror in the bathroom at home and did not like what was looking back but it doesn't make sense to turn away and forget without doing something about what we see. This is exactly the point about the Bible. It shows what we are. It shows who we are, so that we can make whatever changes are necessary. But frankly, many do not want to see the reality of their situation. Those whose lives are ugly and sordid, whose souls are shriveled and dwarfed by the wickedness of the world, Those whose deeds are filthy and black oftentimes don't want to look in the mirror of God's Word and see themselves as God sees them, so they hate the book. And that leads to the next point. There is another real problem that many have with the Bible that causes them to hate the book, and that is that the Bible demands that we change. In Isaiah 53, the prophecy of the suffering Messiah, the statement is made in verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. I think of Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18, where Paul wrote the following, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes." Skipping down to verse 23, we find, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. While those words appear to be pretty harsh words, they do show the situation of those who are not Christians. Heading in the wrong direction, living in sin, living for self rather than for God, and serving Satan rather than the Lord. Well, the Bible demands that all of that be changed. And quite frankly, very few people like to change. The Lord said in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The need to change, to repent, is universal. That is why Paul in Acts 17, as he stood on Mars Hill in the city of Athens, said in verses 30 and 31, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. People like to continue to live the way they always have, continuing in the same old comfortable rut that they have carved out for themselves, no matter how sinful it may be. However, the Bible demands that we change, and for that reason many hate it. There are a lot of people who do not like to be told what to do. A lot of people go through life with the attitude of, you're not the boss of me, don't tell me what to do. Well, frankly, the Bible does tell us what to do. And that is another reason why so many hate it so much. When we read the scriptures, we don't find God asking our opinions or requesting suggestions as to what we think we ought to do. God tells us and he demands that we respond. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Make no mistake about it. The Bible is a demanding book. God, rather than suggesting what we should do, tells us what to do. Such straightforward statements as John chapter 8, verse 24, where we find, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins tell us that we must believe or be lost. That is not a suggestion. Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. It's not merely a statement of option, something we can do or not do if we want to or don't want to do it. If we want our sins forgiven, it sets forth what we must do. The truth is that there are just many areas in the Bible where there's no room left for compromise or quibbling. It plainly tells us what to do, and if someone has the attitude of, no one's gonna tell me what to do, it's very likely they're not going to think too highly of the Word of God, even to the point of hating it. Have you ever known somebody who felt that they always had to have the last word? In every circumstance and in every situation, they compelled to have the last say? Well, my friends, the Bible has the last say. And for that reason, a lot of people hate it. In Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Remember the words of Peter from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23-25. through 25. Peter wrote, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. The simple truth is that the word will eliminate, and endure, and abide, and those who oppose and reject it are doomed to failure. If not now, ultimately, and for that reason they hate it. Finally, I believe many people hate the Bible because it is the Word of God that will judge us. Most Bible students are aware of the conclusion Solomon reached in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 after his search for meaning and contentment in life. We all know verse 13, but our hats are not quite so familiar with verse 14. Solomon wrote the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Few people like to think about having to answer for everything we do in this world, but the truth is that we will have to answer. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In the final judgment, we will not be judged by the laws of the state or the laws of the country in which we live, although how we responded to those laws in life will enter into the picture. We will not be judged by the standards of society in which we live. Jesus told us what the standard will be in the final judgment. In John 12, verse 48, the Lord said, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. No one likes to think about hell, especially the possibility of being sentenced to eternity there. Most choose not to. But the truth is, just as joy in heaven is the promise for faithful service to God, so hell is the promise for those who choose to reject the Lord and live for themselves. I believe it is important for all of us to continually evaluate what our attitude toward the Bible truly is. Our attitude toward the Bible will be demonstrated largely by the life we live, and thus, our attitude toward the Bible will determine our eternal destiny. I thank you for listening, and I hope that these words have done you some good today.